You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hello, I'm Gina Thomas-Kelly from SB Nation. And I'm Amir Tyree from DraftKings Nation. And we're the hosts of Football Cheat Sheet, a brand new podcast that comes out every Friday and provides you with the tools you need to win money and dominate your friends and fantasy this NFL season. Be sure to subscribe via your favorite podcast platform. And if you have questions about fantasy football, DFS, or betting options, drop your questions there along with a five-star review, and we'll be glad to answer them on the next show. All right, so let's get into some of the key things that we want to look at uh, fantasy-wise coming into uh, week nine. We are recording this one on Friday rather than Thursday, so we do have some perspective on the Thursday night game. So I figured we should start with that, and then there are a lot of big-time players returning to the NFL in week nine. So then I have a couple a couple of those guys we want to talk about who necessarily we haven't seen in a while but could uh, break some slates and win some season-long leagues for sure. But the first one off the top of the head is what? where does the fantasy value lie for the San Francisco 49ers for me, aside from why Richie James is the best player of all time and the second coming of Jerry Rice, essentially? The Niners have just had the most difficult season. Um, that game was difficult to watch last night. And with Jimmy Garoppolo out again with Kittle out for the season because he's been such a consistent performer for them. And this is bigger than a Super Bowl hangover. They just have been hit with infinite bad luck this year. I would probably be steering mostly clear of them. Yeah, it's just like every time I try and I write anything just like looking at the 49ers kind of fantasy outlook is just I'm just like I'm trying to remember who's like how many who is who is even left on this team uh, at this point just going from Garoppolo kid on then uh, unex- unexpectedly Brandon Ayuk went to with the COVID nineteen the COVID nineteen list and had Debo Samuel with a hamstring Devin Coleman had three carries before he was back injured again and then Mostert but what do you do you think uh, anything can be made of kind of rich what uh, Richie James was able to do just kind of as their top receiving threat and maybe he can contribute alongside Ayuk or Debo Samuel, one of them comes back or I don't know if even even Jer- Jerick McKinnon showed some life which seemed like he had been phased out for mm-hmm. Michael Hasty, which Michael Hasty played 14 snaps surprisingly <laughs> after everyone was um, kind of looking at him as one of the premier waiver wire pickups. Um, McKinnon's had some really strong performances over his career here and there. Um, I really liked him. I think he was with the Vikings and I thought that he had real promise then. Um, I think I started him in DFS earlier this season and he did have a really big game, but that was when the offense was functioning at full strength. They didn't have so many people on IR. Uh, you know, but I having watched Kyle Shanahan in Atlanta for so long. He is a very gifted offensive mind. And I think that he can find a way to put these guys in positions to make plays. The Packers are one of the better teams in the league um, overall. And Thursday night, you know, it's a quick turnaround from Sunday. They're still reeling from losing their starting quarterback. 
and their top tight end, one of the top tight ends in the league uh, for uh, to IR for likely the rest of the season for both. And so, yeah, I mean, I think that it might take a little bit of time for them to get in a rhythm with each other. But I think that Kyle Shanahan can put them in positions where they do have enough fantasy value that you can plug, especially the guys who are less expensive or somebody who's on your waiver wire now into your lineup as needed and go from there. And, uh, you know, the, the league's having more and more COVID positive situations. And so yeah. you may need to dig pretty deep over the next few weeks with the frequency that we're seeing these positive tests now. So, yeah. yeah. And then regardless <laughs> of how deep you have to dig, I would say it's, it seems pretty safe to stay away from uh, stay away from Mullins or CJ Bayathard, who I assume <laughs> will have will make us, uh, an appearance at some point. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's just just some of those skill guys. I think I think can still have value, but I don't think there's anything at the quarterback position. And mm-hmm. if it starts going down the drain, then I don't think there's a reason for Jimmy G to get to try and even come back. So like, yeah. it's it's likely that he could even be gone for the rest of the year as well. Yeah, so it's just a rough year for them. They were decimated on defense early in the season with injuries, and now the same things happening on offense. Um, yeah, yeah, I've seen seasons like this with the Falcons, and it always is just. It's even more irritating after just losing the Super Bowl because, you know, you yeah. feel like you got mostly the same core team there. You can get back to it. But, yeah, that is not going to happen for the Niners this year. Moving on to perhaps the most anticipated waiver wire uh, pickup of the season, Antonio Brown is set to uh, – he signed with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, going to add to that receiving core that's already been, you know, been, been very explosive when all their guys are healthy. A lot of them have been in and out of the lineup. Where do you see him kind of fitting in to to that group? Where we have to look and see how um, Chris Godwin looks. Try he's looking to try and play through that uh, broken finger that he suffered. Mm-hmm. But Mike Evans got off to that slow slow start in Week One. He's a little hobbled, not maybe not necessarily himself in that first matchup against this, against the Saints, which now they'll have a rematch against at home, tied for the league lead, seven touchdowns. Scotty Miller, surprisingly, their leading receiver with 400 yards on the season. He's been their best deep threat. And then, uh, yeah, God Godwin had his best game before um, of the of the year uh, before going off with the finger injury. So, what is I don't know. What do you think the the floor is for Antonio Brown coming in? It's so hard to know because it's been so long since we've seen since we've seen him play. You know, he spent a little bit of time last year with the Patriots, and that did not last very long. Um, he was with the Raiders, and there, you know, that was kind of fraught with drama. But it sounds like Tom Brady's taking him under his wing, and you know, kind of helping assimilate into the Bucks culture. And the first time that we saw the Bucks play the Saints, it, it didn't look like Brady had very good chemistry and timing with the team. But that's changed over the past few weeks. And um, I think especially with as tough as that Buccaneers defense can be, I think that it's going to be a long day for the Saints. But whether or not they'll be able to work Antonio Brown really into the game plan substantially, especially when you see Gronk stepping up and looking more like Rob Gronkowski used to look before he retired. Yeah. Um, I think that it's just going to probably take a little bit of time for him to develop the timing and the chemistry to really become a, a focal point of the offense, especially with receivers like Mike Evans and Chris Godwin, because they are you know, both very talented. Um, but yeah, when Antonio Brown was with the Steelers, I think that there was really very little argument that he was probably the top wide receiver in the league. People make the argument for Julio Jones, which I understand, um, but I think that they were kind of like 1A and 1B. So the talent is there. It's just, you know, is he in game shape? Is he able to play at full speed? We just, there's a lot that we don't know after 
basically a whole season and a half off the field. When I was looking at um, just his number, uh, he hasn't played in a while, but I looked at the, the the last NFL game he did play was with Tom Brady, which was in week two against the Miami Dolphins, where he got a good amount of work, but I, that was a much less talented receiving core. And they were kind of looking to gain that star, that star power that Tom Brady had been looking for um, for a while with those top number one guys, where he was targeted eight, eight times in that game and had four receptions, 56 yards and a touchdown, which was against the Miami Dolphins before they kind of rebooted their uh, secondary and have two of the more talented guys um, in that secondary uh, at cornerback now. But yeah, I think it's I think it's hard to I think it's hard to see you know how the targets are going to be distributed, especially when they're rolling and riding that uh, three game win streak. But I feel like if you're confident with if you're confident with the rest of your receiving core in season and season long, and you feel like it's like oh yeah, I have three really solid guys. I don't think there's anything wrong with plugging um, Antonio Brown in. But if if you're expecting him to be like your top guy, then I, I wouldn't I, I would maybe sit him for for a guy who has. Um, more experience, but daily fantasy could be, you know, the kind of punt play that turn that turns thing around for, for sure. But if you're looking for him to be like your, this this is my guy, this is my guy who I'm gonna bank on as the most productive receiver for week nine, then uh, that's that's a lot of risk there. So, um, and one of the one of the uh, performances that I wanted to talk about was uh, Tua. He had his first oh. NFL start last week, and he was somebody that we talked about on last week's over-under segment. I think that you and I both took the over on, I think it was 200, let me, yeah. let me look, I mean, 200 yards. It was um, like something, I think it was 220. 220. Was it was 220. And I think that we both took the over Well, we were not correct. Um, yeah, that did not look good. No, no, he did not. But, you know, it's his first start. He's very talented. I think his ceiling is very high. And so, you know, we'll keep an eye on him and see see what he does this week. But, yeah, he ended up only having 93 yards, 54.5% completion percentage, which, you know, isn't terrible, I don't think, for a first showing, but it's yeah. certainly not good. <laughs> So one touchdown, no interceptions. So that's good. Um, and but yeah, it's going to be it'll be interesting to see how he progresses over time. Yeah, which we'll we'll loop back to that. We'll loop back to that at some point. But just just to take away, I think um, when you look at some some uh, fantasy managers are really looking at trying to get more value in the defense. The Miami Dolphins are actually one of the best one of the best defenses in the NFL right now. And they're from the last time I checked, they were pretty widely available in. Um, season-long leagues as far as uh, ESPN, giving up a league-low 18.6 points per game this season, and they definitely rallied around two. I'd be interested to see whether they're able to kind of uh, continue that because that really flew under the radar because I was like, I was just like looking over, oh, what what kind of what kind of waiver wire, which even right like in the one league I'm I'm in this year, we don't even roster defense special teams. But I was mm-hmm. like, I, want, I, I, just, I just wonder just to – uh, see who's performing at high level. Yeah, they've been really good this year. Maybe Tua Tua did not look too good in his first one, but take note of Miami's defense for sure and yeah. how they how they look moving forward. And then just kind of staying on the theme of the ret- uh, returns, it's looking like Christian McCaffrey is finally gonna is is working toward coming back and making that return. Where Mike Davis has just been killing it as a replacement. You know, what's Christian McCaffrey, who is widely considered the you know probably the top fantasy performer of the 2020 season who now hasn't played. He hasn't played since uh, suffering that ankle injury in week two. Mm-hmm. He's averaging two touchdowns a game, but it's, it's been a while. And then Mike Davis has proved he can also be um, an all purpose back. who can take some of that, who can uh, take some touches away from him. 
uh, possibly. They are riding that losing streak. And now it's like, what is how is Christian McCaffrey's value depleted just by Davis proving that, oh, he, he's a viable option that we can use? Because so much of what McCaffrey was is just, we know he's going to play 99% of the Panthers snaps every week. We know mm-hmm. he's going to get this many. He's going to get like 20 plus touches essentially every game. So, you know, mon- monitoring and I'll, I'll, I would want to see how the, if the Panthers come out with anything about how they're going to use him mm-hmm. um, in week nine against the Kansas City Chiefs, who have been also one of the top defenses as far as um, preventing scoring this year. I think third, third fewest points per game. Yeah, I know that, um, you know, that ankle injury is not an easy one to come back from. And so they may want to ease him back into it. Um, I probably would not count on him having a, a full workload, like a traditional Christian McCaffrey workload this week, especially against the Chiefs. I don't think that they're going to want to risk injury again. Um, but yeah, I think especially with Mike Davis showing what he can do, I think that they have the luxury of being able to work him back in. And if I were an offensive coordinator for the Panthers, I would definitely give both of those guys touches and try to keep the defense off balance um, because they both have proven that they can be really effective on the ground. And I mean, McCaffrey has been a thousand yard receiver also, so you can use him in a lot of ways. So um, yeah. I think that it's actually really a luxury for the Panthers to have two backs that are that talented. They're in the NFC South with the Falcons because why would they be? We've talked about two of the Falcons rivals and it's, you know, the Bucks stacking up their offense and then, you, yeah. got, you know, these oh, two man. backs. We're talking, it looks like I'm talking about all all Falcons rivals uh, for the <laughs> most part because they're all like coming back with the heavy hitters now. So it's not looking good mm-hmm. uh, for the Falcons, for just for the rest of that NFC South chase. Yeah, McCaffrey, I would say in season long, it's almost it's really hard to fathom why how you could not start him just given uh what do you even even if he's supposed to be limited, just like if you draft Christian McCaffrey, you probably drafted him first or second overall um in your season long league. So if you had you haven't been able to use him, I would I, you have to play him yeah. uh, in season long. But fantasy, fantasy he on DraftKings, he is still the most expensive running back on the main slate, which I would stay away from that. I think there's a lot more value you could get mm-hmm. elsewhere given that he hasn't played in so long and being like eighty five hundred dollars is a little much for me. So Yeah, no, I'm not going to do that for you. <laughs> but I do have him in one season long league that I forgot that I was in an auto drafted. <laughs> I guess I had the first overall pick, and that's who I got. So I will be starting him in that league um, because he's a better option than the other people that I auto-drafted. But yeah, for DFS, it's just too expensive for somebody who we don't really know what he's going to look like when he's coming directly off this ankle injury. Yeah, and then the last Falcons rival I'm going to talk about is we've been waiting for forever, but he's finally back at practice. Michael Thomas Mm -hmm. is coming back for their return Against the Buccaneers, the team he sp- he suffered that high ankle sprain against, and he had those uh, three or four receptions for 17 yards, not not nearly to the standard of what he's capable of doing. The Saints have been able to like scrap like scrap together wins uh, despite being super depleted at wide receiver. And uh, Drew Drew Brees is really he's been able to he's been very resourceful when you look at uh, Marquez Callaway and Emmanuel Sanders before going on the. Uh, going on the COVID nineteen list had that twelve had that uh like twelve reception hundred twenty plus um, receiving yard game. Uh, they're all back at practice, and you know Mike, Michael Thomas, who could could uh who looked like he could be um the top wide the most productive wide receiver now is obviously at a major disadvantage as far as like season long just standings. But can he finish mm-hmm. up as one of the top guys just for the remainder 
remainder of the year. I think that he probably can. High ankle sprains are a really difficult injury. It's um, My brother played college ball and he only had a high ankle sprain once and he tried to play on it. He played one opening kickoff series and he had to come out of the game. He said it's the most pain that he's ever experienced. Um, and so it's a hard thing to come back from. So he might be a step slow, but the way that Breeze tends to use him, the way that Sean Payton tends to use him is on those shorter slants. And mm. so I don't think that it's really going to be a big issue for him. Um, Thomas can be a real playmaker. I loved watching him in college. He was he was my favorite receiver at Ohio State when he was there. And so, yeah, I mean, I think that he'll be able to. He's by far their, their most talented receiver. I think that he'll probably be able to put up a decent number of points. You know, it may not be gaudy points, but he will contribute, I think. Yep. And then for this week's over-unders, I kind of centered them around I centered around the guys that we just talked about, just given people could be like tuned into them or just like, you know, just their ownership could be maybe higher, maybe higher than it should be given that they haven't seen them play in a while. But uh, just off the top for AB, six over or under 60 receiving yards. Mm-hmm. What do we think? I, I put it around that number just just as uh, he had the 56 last time with Tom Brady. Yeah. A lot I- of cogs in the machine. I'm going to take the over. I'm going to take the over. I've seen the Saints defense um, kind of fall apart on some plays. Their their secondary has some lapses at times. And so, yeah, I'm going to I'm going to say over um, with as many targets as Brady has to work with there. I don't know that it will be much over because I don't know. You know, you can only spread the ball around so much. But, yeah, I'm, I'm going to take the over. I think that Brown is talented enough to make that happen. Yeah. And I think for me, if Chris if Chris Godwin plays. I think I'm gonna. I would lead toward the under on this one, mm-hmm. but yeah, I mean, but but if not, given they know they have they know they have um, plenty of talent they can use. Like, hey, maybe if this is gonna kill you for later on in the year, and they kind of choose to limit him, I could see Antonio Brown stepping into that. Yeah. I into that wide receiver. Maybe he doesn't play a ton of snaps, mm-hmm. but I think the snaps that he does play would be meaningful enough to uh, to get him over that. I think so, too. And what I could see Arians doing is choosing to make Godwin active and then use him very little just to because trying to play receiver with a broken finger, just that sounds terrible to me. So, yeah, I could see that they have him out there sort of as a decoy, which I think is smart, but I might not target him that much because I think that's pretty risky when you've already got a hand injury. Christian McCaffrey over or under? One and a half touchdowns, which seems kind of high, but given that two touchdowns in back-to-back weeks to kick off the season, weeks one and week two, mm-hmm. you know, we talked about how he might he might be a little limited. Do you think that is a little lofty to expect against the Chiefs in his first week back off of a off of an ankle injury? I think that it is probably too much. I would yeah. take the under on that. I th- I'm I'm also going to take the, uh, take the under, but I really I wouldn't I wouldn't be super surprised if he just came out even if he, if he just got like some gimmies on like a on like a goal yard carrier mm-hmm. a goal line carrier something like that maybe maybe not quite the like long runs we know he's capable of getting when he when he breaks out and gets kind of those when he gets those screen passes uh out of the backfield it's a matter of seeing you know what level of explosiveness is he going to have in his uh first game back so i think the under as well but yeah i think he man i i i, I want to stay away from myself daily fantasy but I could just I could just see like someone just really hitting big by just getting I feel like he's gonna be pretty low low owned and then you mm-hmm. know, ends up ends up smashing it. Me it's it's a little too risky for me though. But yeah, I yeah. think I'm gonna stay the under on that. 
Especially at that cost. Um, and yeah, I mean, I could see McCaffrey's so talented. Um, I, I could see him scoring two touchdowns easily. I just think just because it's his first game back and because it's the Chiefs defense, I just don't feel safe or safe. I mean, that's an exaggeration. I don't feel comfortable. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Taking a chance on on him. And then my last one, Michael Thomas over under six and a half receptions in his first game back. He was around nine or so last season when he set the single uh, season reception record. And, you know, he fell under that mark in his first one. You know, mm-hmm. now he's 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 been he's been a, he's been limited uh, in practice, but he has been getting out and getting work. You know, it's a matter of how much of a focal point is he going to is he going to be um, yeah. coming back against, you know, which Alvin Kamara was still able to score was getting in zone twice against uh, Buccaneers in week one. The Buccaneers have been stuffing everyone at, at the line for most of the season, mm-hmm. which the Giants were able to get something going. But going into that game, they're giving up something like 65 rushing yards a game, which is yeah. just ridiculous. Like they're just crushing everyone up uh, up front. So um, for Thomas, so over six and a half catches, I am going to take the over. You know, he is a guy that I think that Breeze will target a lot no matter what. And like I said, because it's those shorter routes that he runs um yeah i think that he'll get lots of opportunities so i'm going to take the over i think i'm going toward the over now especially mm-hmm. in such a big game and mm-hmm. given that you know just just as a comp just as a confidence builder and know that he's still the go-to guy and go back against them um it's best oh and also given that uh alvin kamara is dealing with that uh foot injury as well yeah uh, yeah, which, yeah so, that, that that has slipped my mind. Was that makes me think even more mm-hmm. that uh, Thomas could, you know. But Emmanuel Sanders did show that he was just uh, that last game. He, was, he uh, before that last uh, breakout game he had. He said, "I'm just kind of figuring out this Saint system." Michael Thomas has been in this thing for years. Everything is just kind of starting to click for me. So I don't know if the the two week hiatus takes away from that or kind of gives him some more um, to just kind of think and process uh, how the how the offense works. So. But yeah, I, I think I think still uh, just Mike, Michael Thomas is could very you know he has the high I think the highest ceiling with if Kamara is indisposed. Yeah, and another angle there is that I think that the Buccaneers are clearly the Saints' toughest competition in the division, and um, so I and you know the way that Sean Payton's an extremely aggressive coach, and so I think that because of that he will be doing his best to you know make sure that he gets the balls to his biggest playmaker now let's get into some of these hits and misses from uh week nine i really did not have a good week but what was good for me was that um i had brandon Ayuk as my lock of the week and he had eight catches for 91 yards and a touchdown before uh not he he didn't play as he's on the COVID 19 list for um week nine but I saw he had um, seven catches of 15 or more yards, just tied for the league lead with Devontae Adams and one other receiver over mm-hmm. the past two weeks. Which, but yeah, on the down on the downside of that, I um, was looking at the Seattle defense has given up so many passing yards, and I really tried to get risky and um, stack the 49ers. So <laughs> Jimmy Garoppolo and George Kittle I've, both got hurt in that game, so that really did not like they they were both. Just I had like terrible stat lines. So I Ayuk I hit on and the other guys, I was like, yeah, I just like kept checking. I was like, okay, they still haven't gotten like half half a point more or anything like that. So yeah, that didn't look good. And then also Nelson Aguilar in that super windy game that was mm-hmm. just bending, just bending field goals, which both both quarterbacks finished up with like 
under 120 passing yards or something yes. like that. So yes. that, yeah, that in hindsight, check the weather guys. If you guys want to get a receiver, do not uh, put guys who are playing in a hurricane. That is, um, <laughs> that's just a little tidbit that will help you in daily fantasy. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, for me last week, um, I actually had Ayuk in my lineup too. Um, and he obviously was a huge hit. And then um, also Giovanni Bernard. Uh, Joe Mixon was, I think, out last week. And yeah. so, yeah, I, I went ahead and put him in there instead. He ended up with 22.8 points. He was only $5,800. So that was a really affordable option. And let me fill in um, some more expensive players who then underperformed. Uh, Carson yeah. Wentz was a guy I was really excited about going into last week because the Cowboys defense has been abysmal. And he ended up with 12.62 points. I am not coming near <laughs> Wentz again this season. I've yeah. learned my lesson now, officially. <laughs> So that was my biggest miss last week. Cool, cool. And what about this upcoming week as far as locks for you, locks and sleeper? So my lock for this week is one of your favorites, Noah Fant. Um, he is facing the Falcons this week. As you know, the Falcons um, love to let me down. And they have honestly struggled against tight ends for as long as I've been a fan of this team. And, you know, for a team that, like, had Tony Gonzalez and the defense had to practice against him, you'd think that they'd eventually learn to, like, slow him down over the middle and stuff, but they just don't. And so I think that he – I have not looked at his pricing on DraftKings yet, but I think that he's going to be pretty affordable. And, um, yeah, so that's that's my lock of the week. Uh, my sleeper of the week – I'm going to have to think about it. You tell me your lock of the week. Got you. Well, the lock, the lock is uh, a simple one, is uh, Dalvin Cook, 8,200, uh, coming off uh, just that ridiculous game where he just, he, just, he, just, he just did everything possible that he could do to the Green Bay Packers. And then he's coming, he's coming back against another bad uh, run defense in the Detroit Lions. So I think he can have that similar effect of just being, the, being that uh, all-purpose all guy for them. But I do want to give an honorable mention to Chase Edmonds, who is priced, who is uh, priced up at 6,800 now, um, he's been in that he's been in that reserve role, playing behind uh, Kenyon Drake, who's been get Kenyon Drake has been getting like 18 to 20 touches a game, um, but Chase Edmonds has still uh, been has, has still managed to be fantasy relevant, playing behind him just on those limited touches, averaging like 5.7 uh, yards per carry, and really he's been more of that receiving back. But I'm interested to see what he can do with uh, more carries because the carries he does get a lot of the times he racks up chunk yardage, but it's just uh, more Kenyon Drake is the guy who they sign they signed to the big deal. So, you know, they want to, they want to see what he can do, but now um, he gets that space against the Miami dolphins um, to, you know, show a little bit more what his potential is. So I'm interested to look at that. And then my sleeper of the week, I'm going to stay in that uh, Miami and Cardinals game. It's a it's definitely a big sleeper, but just given injuries to Miami's backfield, uh, Miles Gaskin is going to be out. And now, uh, just before we got on uh, to record, uh, Matt Breida has also been ruled out for that game. They traded for uh, DeAndre Washington for the Chiefs, but I don't think he, he shouldn't be able to uh, clear protocol just because uh, from COVID, so he shouldn't be able to be active. Jordan Howard has a couple of those healthy – he has a couple healthy scratches over the last couple weeks. But it's like, are, are they going to use uh, Patrick Laird or their uh, big guy that they want to use on goal line carry? So he's at 4,000 on DraftKings. And not that I'm super, uh, that I'm super in on him, like getting a lot of touches, but 
I think he could capitalize on some chances just given that he's been like a touchdown vulture in like throughout the season when he does get touches where Miles Gaskin gets like seven touches, eight touches on a drive, and then Jordan Howard runs it in on the one-yard line. <laughs> I saw plenty of that. So now if Brita and Gaskin are gone, I can only assume that Jordan Howard gets a little bit more action. Yeah, absolutely. And I did remember who my sleeper was going to be. And he's a guy that we haven't really talked about much over the past few weeks. But early in the season, he kind of exploded onto the scene and um, and impressed people. Russell Gage with the Falcons. The Broncos um, have had some issues on defense. And Calvin Ridley is hurt. He's questionable for the game. Um on Sunday, he is dealing with a foot injury. And so Gage has shown that he has the capacity to make some big plays. And so I think that he is a good option. He's He shouldn't be very expensive. And um, so that's a guy that I would definitely look at plugging into my DFS lineup for sure. Yeah, and Gage, just, off, just from the jump, was really, really getting after this year. He was in that and that week one game they had against Seattle where was it Julio Ridley and and Gage all went over 100 yards but yeah he's kind of he's kind of cooled off now but if if Ridley is ruled out he for sure could uh, smash and make a comeback yes absolutely and then just moving on to uh money line stuff i have my eye on there's no telling what could happen in the NFC East but i think that um that New York Giants uh plus 115 at Washington minus 130 um that the Giants look. The Giants look really good at um, uh, locking down those uh, Buccaneers in their in their last game. They they were at home in that one, but yeah, they did a they did a really good job at um, at limiting the run. It's going to be an interesting match. Cause, uh, Antonio Gibson has done a great job of just like being a guy who's uh, surprised a lot of fantasy managers, being able to force missed tackles. Regardless of the quarterback situation, Terry McLaurin is going to be an interesting matchup to watch between him and uh, James Bradbury. But the the Giants are really not the Giants are really not that bad on defense and now and now they're kind of uh, that group of running backs that they have Wayne Gallman I'm trying to think who else they they incorporated because uh, when Devonta Freeman was out they mm-hmm. brought in uh, who is it Alfred Morris they had in the mix yes um, I was like oh Alfred, Alfred Morris is still around called him up from the practice, <laughs> from the practice squad and all yeah all all of them are uh, are can are contributing so I you know using using that group of guys and Darius Slayton's big big playability and golden golden Tate and those guys. I think they can make, make that game interesting. And it's, um, I think it could be a close one, but I could, wouldn't be surprised to see New York, uh, win that one NFC, NFC East, anybody can beat anybody. I think any given day. Yeah, it, it's really any given Sunday in that division. Um, so yeah, that all makes sense. And then moving on to who's in the doghouse. And I think that you'll agree with me. With for, with my choice, Cam Newton. I gotta start somebody else. Oh. I mean, I you know I have him in every season long league. I know that you've got him in season long too. Yeah, he just had another absolutely abysmal week last week. Um, an eighty one point one percent quarterback rating, one hundred and seventy four yards, zero touchdowns, no interceptions, which was an improvement over the three the previous week against the Forty ers But yeah, just a brutal game again. I don't know what's going on, but he is. Yeah. In doghouse and I'm starting somebody else yeah that I really need to look I don't know how he's even I don't, maybe I'm in, I'm just in such a deep league we're just like I feel like no there's no other options for me really so I can drop him but yeah, yeah. I, I really really that needs to be my move because he's just yeah he's just hurt me a lot another yeah another guy who we talked we talked about I want to say uh two shows ago 
who is he is he is questionable and um limited limited this week in practice Ezekiel Elliott coming up in that mat in that matchup against Pittsburgh who has typically stuffed the run pretty well this year but um the Ravens went crazy on them despite losing two starting offensive linemen their best offensive linemen mm-hmm. on, and like the first in the first quarter of that game where J.K. Dobbins went over 100 Gus Edwards went for uh just a hair under 90 and then uh we're looking at um Ezekiel Elliott who he he did bounce back and, and he got over well, I think we set a mark of like six of like 60 yards from scrimmage mm-hmm. total and he ended up with like 73 in that game so he, yeah. he, pulled, he pulled together down the stretch but really had not played well and then he's coming off from from that tough defensive line he's going to face another one he's not looking like the kind of top fantasy back who you know it's just always assumed at the beginning of every season oh Zeke is going to be that guy Mm-hmm. Uh, but the the offensive line is not the same as it was when he was uh, first came into the organization. So I think he has something to prove. Yeah, and I think also when you go from Dak Prescott to then Andy Dalton to then the quarterback that I honestly still cannot remember his name, um, you know, they're able to kind of stack the box, and because yeah. that you're you're just not dealing with a with as adept of a passer as. Dak is or even as Dalton is and so I think that that also takes away some opportunities for Zeke yeah because now now I'm thinking back I can't I got to give a shout out to my guy Ben DiNucci mm-hmm. or Ben DiNucci I got to remember that it's like a memorable name I should remember the name oh no, yeah but I was uh yeah I was just thinking about because I saw the um Cowboys are talking about uh starting Cooper Rush mm-hmm. uh in that game too so just like just just all just all of that just there's there's no way they can't they can't depend on Zeke a little bit more than they have, but you know that's tough 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 run defense. But Zeke has got to be the guy who's gonna help your quarterbacks when you have inex- inexperienced or guys who haven't been uh, successful with the team. So there's yeah. I think there's no reason for him to not be able to turn that around. So he's yeah. got he's got to pick up some momentum. Totally totally agree. So well that is our show for week nine. Um, you can find me on Twitter at Gina Thomas. It's J-E-A-N-N-A Thomas. And if you want to join us to play DFS on DraftKings, we set up a league every week. It's a standard lineup with a $50,000 salary cap, um, 10 people. We can do multiple leagues if there's enough interest. There's a $10 buy-in and the top three pay out each week. And so definitely check out my Twitter and join our league and play against us. Um, last week, we both finished out of the money. So who knows? Uh, this yeah. This week we're this week we're gonna try to do better, but uh, yeah, last week was rough. Yeah, uh, luckily, luckily for me, and this one coming up, the 49ers will not be in uh, part of the main slate, so I won't be tempted to uh, try and go all in on them again. But yeah, you can find me at it's underscore a miracle a m e e r i c l e, and yeah, uh, we'll go. Well, yeah, just go ahead and enter the uh, the contest. Uh, Gina will tweet it out, and also be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast platform and drop your fantasy DFS and gambling questions in the comments with a five-star review and we'll answer them on the next episode. Thank you for joining us and we'll catch you guys next time.